Living on a lifeline, the world doesn't ever seem to change. Looking for the sunshine, but you're caught up in the rain. It's like your eyes are wide open, but you cannot see. You're watching life pass you by like one, two, three. Walking in destruction, the winds of life blur your vision. All the devastation forever feels like you're on the run. It's time. No one else can set you free, you're locked inside And only you have got the key We can be the fire in our own lives If we just climb a little higher Lift up our eyes Open your world, set yourself free Morning, everybody. Hope everybody is well. Happy Wednesday for those that are here live. Thanks so much for being here and being a part of the show. Today's a special day because we are, the show is being sponsored by one of my favorite groups in the world. The El Psalm Ladies Group and the Psalm Sister Warriors Group. These are special, holy people that are out there um, that are uh, thankfully sponsoring today's show. We thank you so much for who you are, what you represent. Appreciate you being here and appreciate you doing what you do for the world. 
Uh, special good luck to Gladys on a donation surgery of her kidney to her sister. Um, and, uh, and this is also, and thank, I thank them, but this is also in memory of my grandmother who passed away. Um, it's her yard site not too long ago. So thank you so much for being a big part of this. We've been in this world of, uh, of what's in the circle. The reason why we're staying here for a little bit is because it's really important. It's really important. What's, what we put in the circle is really what's going to define our years and define our lives. And we can either put, get priorities and values placed in for us and then just be a willing participant in someone else's life and goals, or we can be our own active participant. We can be in the driver's seat. We could decide what it is that we want to accomplish this year. What is it we want to do this year? What is it we want to be this year? Now, as we look at our values, as we look at our goals, as we look at our priorities this year, we have to understand a few things. First and foremost, if you have a goal, it means that you don't have another goal. You can have a few goals, but it means that you don't have, you, have, you, you know you have a goal when you know that you get to say no to something else. Right, no is an indication that you have a yes. As they say, you know, good companies say, can we do it? Great companies say, does it fit? It's a very big difference. Does it fit means we have a place that we're going. We can, we can revisit that. We can reevaluate that, but when we're going in a direction, there's a lot of things we can be doing that we shouldn't do, not because it doesn't bring value to the world, but because it doesn't fit into our plan, into our strategy, into our values. It'd be great if we did that, but it doesn't fit. There's a lot of time that we give into this, into our lives for things that don't really fit into what we should be doing. They just, no, right? No harm, no foul. And just all of a sudden, like we just dedicated hours and time, weeks, maybe months to doing something that doesn't really fit into the pantheon of what we think is important for the year. I'm not really sure how it got started, but we just, even on a micro level, you know, we're like lost in like a two-hour conversation about nothing. I don't know. Just just time, right? Like time isn't that important, is it? Right? Like that was a big deal. Ask like the end of the day, like did the things I do fit into the vision of what I want to accomplish? No. This, by the way, and we've spoken about this, but it's, I think it's important. What gets me, honestly, about certain offices, it's changing now, I think. Especially in this new world that we're grappling between remote, live. What gets me is the, there is definitely a value when you're in an office of relationships, for sure. But what always got me is the amount of time spent in an office talking about nothing like you can literally see hours go by by people schmoozing in people's offices and then they're like 
rush to finish their project at the end of the week. And then they're, you know, upset that their boss doesn't think they're doing a good you know, job. And like, if you just look at their week, if they just cut out half of the waste of time, they would do their jobs a hundred times better, go home earlier, have better careers. And no one even knows. It just leaks. Because it's like, okay, I'll have this kind of, okay, I'll Google. Okay, I'll get lost. I don't ask if this fits into my vision of what I want to accomplish during the day. Who thinks like this? I don't ask if this fits into my vision. Should I go here or do this, take on this project? My rabbi from Israel always tells me, you have to learn how to say the word, I can't. Because you want to say yes. But sometimes yes is the wrong answer. Sometimes the answer is no. Because yes is going to take you away from what you should be doing. You can't get there if you don't know what's in your circle. And you can't, you know, it's funny, Liron just posted something that was really good. I think I mentioned this once, but the idea of focus. Remember, I, th- I think I told the story here. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. Warren Buffett, you remember the story? I'll tell it again really quickly. Warren Buffett and Bill Gates got together for dinner once. This isn't, it's like, this isn't the beginning of some joke. And they were with their father, I think it was um, Bill Gates' dad knew Buffett, if I remember correctly the story. So they're having dinner and they had to write down on a piece of paper what was the one thing that made them successful, remember? Yeah, right? And they turned it over together, same thing, said focus. When you look at what's in your circle, you could, there's two other areas that I want to start to delve in with you. One is called connectedness, which we started yesterday, which is, which is, is my goal to serve myself? If our goals are self-serving, they don't really last because we're not built to serve ourselves. To serve yourself, you almost have to shut down your soul because your soul gets satisfaction in its connection to other. And when you're living a selfish life, you have to consistently be physically engaged, if you will, which will require more and more stuff to stay um, satisfied. So that you never fully walk around in your life if you are a self-focused physical person fully satisfied. If you see people like this, and you've met them and I've met them, they're great people. They just have somehow put in the middle of their value system a goal that really is about self. It's either attention-related, right? It's about accomplishment sometimes in a way that is, you know, like a competitive accomplishment, right? And when you see people get lost in, I want to win, or I want to beat somebody, or it's about me, in order for them to be satisfied, they have to consistently be upping the ante. Because the thing that they're getting itself is not 
It doesn't satisfy their inner core, right? If I am chasing, let's say food, for example, or money, let's just, these are, there's so many other examples, but it's just, these are the easier ones. If I am living my life to feed my body, after a while, I get used to the food that I put in. So therefore, I have to up the ante, either in quantity or in quality, and start to increase the amount or the type of food that I eat because I am not, I'm not satisfied at my core. The food doesn't satisfy me spiritually. It could. Maybe we can do that at some point. We can talk about that. But now it doesn't. All it does is it satisfies my body. It's just physically pleasing. And if it's physically pleasing, then I have to consistently be giving it to me and upping the ante to maintain some level of pleasure. And what I'm really after is not the pleasure in the food. What I'm really after is in the anticipation of the pleasure. There's a great book on this. I'm forgetting it now. It's about gambling. Uh, Judy said earlier, where's Andy? Andy, if you're on, you got to jump in here. Um, It's about gambling. I forgot. It'll come to me. How in your brain, anticipation is one of the most addictive feelings. The anticipation of a benefit. In, in fact, the anticipation of something is more pleasurable neurologically than the actual gaining it, right? The feeling you get before you're about to get the benefit feels better, if you will, is more exciting. It's, oh man, I'm, it's coming to me. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. It's about, it's, a, it's called habits. It's called habits. Uh, Charles Duhigg, I get it right? Duhigg, someone Google it. Habits, the power of habits. That's what it is. Consider all day things popping, right? Like, thanks, thanks, thanks for sticking through it. Habit, that's what it is. Duhigg, right? Right. How habits anticipate. So, so the idea is that the anticipation of something is more pleasurable than the thing itself. Which is why, that's by the way, you should understand, just if you want to get into the science of it, why these casinos are so addictive. And if you ever go to a casino, the first thing you're going to see is lots of usually older people sitting in front of like rows and rows of slot machines. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen it? it's it's the saddest thing in the world. I mean, it's okay. I mean, they're just having like an activity. It's not like you know they're gambling their mortgage away. That's in the other room, but at least in this room, they're just going like this the whole time. They're just right, and they're just putting in dot. You know, they're just what are they doing? <laughs> Why are they doing that? The answer is, is that every time you go watch, just go watch it. I did it after I read the book. I, I I saw it once. It's amazing. Usually, when you see a slot machine, or if you ever really want to see this play out. Go get a um, go get a dollar uh, thing today. Go go to a, a a lotto store. Go to like one of those bodegas, and go buy it. You know those like lucky lottos. You know win ten thousand dollars a week for the rest of your life. Things the scratch offs, and see what see what happens, right? In in the scratch offs and in the lot, what they do is they always give you if you need three, you always get two, right? If you need five, if you will, you don't get one. 
If you need five, you get four or three. Why? Because as you anticipate winning, the anticipation is the addictive point, right? So if you're sitting at a slot machine and you get cherry, cherry, seven, you're like, oh, I almost won. And as soon as you say it, your brain goes, we almost had the benefit. It anticipates the win. And the anticipation of the benefit lets out a little bit of dopamine and you feel great. It's exciting. You do it again. Seven, seven on the heart. You almost won again. I'm telling you the next time is going to be the win. Do it again. After a couple of times, your brain is so ready for that pleasure. The anticipation is so addictive that you're just sitting there all day. And they got you. They hooked you. If you think for a second that the people that are running these casinos aren't fairly wise people. Same people that are making, not the same people, but just like the video game makers. Really smart people do this stuff. They really know how your brain works. That's the people that are, I've, I've done this before. I'm sure you have as well. I've given somebody a dollar in the corner who's sitting there with, with a little cup to only watch her get up and go in and play the play lotto. Why they think, why, why, why shouldn't it? It's addictive. When you live a physical life, what your brain is doing is it's finding pleasures and then addicting itself to the anticipation of greater pleasures. This happens all the time. Just we can't see it unless you're looking for it. When you go into an investment bank and you see people anticipating their bonus for, for six months, when you see people anticipating deals, anticipating food, anticipating the end of a game, don't you think that the end of a sports game is addictive? That's why we love close games. We're anticipating the benefit of our team winning. Candy Crush, exactly. All these things are built to addict us to anticipate a pleasure. And when we live physically driven lives, if our goal set is me, 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 stop, 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 stop. It's not just that we push out the other things. It's that we start to addict ourselves to needing more and more physical because as soon as we get something physical, it doesn't satisfy us in a really deep way. And so it is the anticipation of the next level of physical pleasure that we're looking for. And that anticipation drives us until we reach it. And once we reach it, after a few moments, all that's left is the next thing that we're getting. Until one day we slow down because we can't get stuff anymore. We're too old and tired. And then we look back and realize that it was just into the air, you know, in the high holiday service, there's a line. It says, which in Hebrew means the evil will go up in smoke. And the commentators say that evil is smoke. It's so, it looks so much more impressive than it really is. This world, in a way, is like smoke and mirrors. It looks so impressive. It looks so enticing. That person who has the thing seems so satisfied. That 
looks so good. And so without even realizing it, our goals become not goals that increase connectedness. My goal isn't going to benefit more than myself. My goal isn't uh, connecting to a mission larger than myself. My goal isn't in the, if you will, nullification of myself for the benefit of others. That's not my goal. It goes sometimes so far, if you're paying attention to this, just, just look for this. Try to like split the hair of your own mind. Sometimes even the giving is really us getting. Like sometimes even when we give, we give with the anticipation of receiving. We give the gift because we're waiting for the, uh, the proper level of reciprocation or attention or thanks. We give the money because it makes us feel, we almost feel sometimes, even in our, it's not even that our getting is giving, it's that even our giving sometimes is sort of wrapped in selfishness. It's okay. It's life. We gotta, gotta live. We gotta be human beings. We can't go from zero to 60. We just gotta be aware of it. We gotta be, we gotta be able to understand our motivations and our drives. We wanna direct this incredible machine called our mind into the goals that are going to satisfy the true us. This isn't judging. We're not judging ourselves. It's just about understanding ourselves. We're all flawed human beings. That's why God put us on this earth. He put us on this earth to work our stuff out. He put us on this earth to try to get better every day. It's just that our ability to see it, to understand it beyond the surface. We have this incredible machine that we can point anywhere. It's not that we're lacking resources or ability or power. That's not what we're lacking in our lives for living an incredibly. We're just lacking clarity. You point this thing called a body, mind, and soul towards a goal, a real goal. Not like I have to like be, you know, I have to compete with Elon Musk and send him a, a, a rocket to the sky. I mean, like a real goal. Being the best me. A deep inner goal. We point our body, body minds. We're, gonna, we're not going to hit it. I believe we are. It's just that we're not, we're not targeted. We're machine guns. We need to be sniper rifles. We're too busy spraying our bullets everywhere. We don't have the patience of a sniper to spend a half an hour, if not more, if not 10 times more, getting this, the scope just right. Accounting for the air and the altitude and the wind. When we start to look at our lives through a scope, what's driving me? What do I want to put into my circle for this year of mastery? Why do I, why do I want this for? What am I trying to get at? Where am I giving? Where am I connecting? When we are, when we elevate our minds over the hills, we start to have insights. We start to have desires that are spiritual desires. We start to look for things that are going to give us real deep pleasure. And it's in that patience that the world doesn't afford us anymore. That patience of thinking, that patience.
patience, of being able to be analytical of our lives that gives us the confidence that we're going in the right direction. I think that's why we have high holidays, to be honest, really. It's not to scare us. I think it's, to, it's just to like refocus us a little bit. Honestly, I think the reason why we have holidays is because God's like, you guys are never going to stop. You're never going to stop. If I don't put markers every week and every year, you're never, you're never, you're never going to stop. You're going to turn on it like six and you're going to turn off at 120. You're never going to like, wait, wait, wait. You're never going to recalibrate. If we can start to put these pieces together, mastery, connectedness, what's in my circle? Why? Even if we don't know the answer, just by getting in this game, we start to, we start to be able to see. We start cleaning our lenses. All right. Have an amazing day. Tomorrow, we're hopefully going to talk about the next piece. All right, we'll talk about it. Have an awesome day, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. And with God's help, I cannot wait to see you again manana. Have a great day.